What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet. There's two guys. There's a, a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby. God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Goss, and this is Stu Potomy. Here we go, Jim. Tony! Welcome me to another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you. Please subscribe, rate, and review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. By doing that, you have made us the biggest podcast on the planet. Amazing. Thank you. Bigger than Oprah for two weeks. Anyway, we're going to have uh, Brian Hawk. He's an author uh, of an Aaron Judge book. The only reason we had him on was because Mikey A wanted him on. Billy is still on paternity leave. I'm thinking about having a kid, so I, too, can take three weeks <laughs> off. It's amazing. God bless Billy. <laughs> you want to te- you want to have a kid for three weeks off? Don't you take three weeks off to go see the dead? The dead show? Yeah, I haven't been in our studio in two weeks. I mean, and after this week, I'm in Lake Tahoe right now. It will be three weeks. It's, <laughs> I don't have to deal with any kids. So what am I talking about? <laughs> Billy needs a kid to take three weeks off. You just need a tour date. <laughs> the gorge. Oh, the gorge. <laughs> Listen, I'm having a better two weeks than Jim Nance. <laughs> <laughs> you know that swing he does from the NCAA tournament to the Masters? Uh-huh. Yeah. I have gone. I have come from the gorge to Lake Tahoe. I will spend a week in Lake Tahoe with Mike Ryan and Jeremy Teshe and some other folks from Metal Arc Media. Uh, we'll get to Tahoe in a second, okay? And then when I'm done with Lake Tahoe and done caddying for Golick on Friday, I will head to San Francisco for the final three dead shows. That is a better run than Nance's run from the NCAA tournament to Augusta, at least for me. <laughs> I mean, it's one for the ages, Mikey. <laughs> Listen, that's awesome. Look, they even put you up in a nice Airbnb, it looks like. Uh, it's a hotel room. <laughs> no, it's not. I swear. No, it's 
You have a stone fireplace behind you. There's a mantle. I have two fireplaces. What? No. That's not a hotel room. It's. Uh, I have one in the living room, one in the bedroom. Uh, Metal Arc Media did well by me. I, Mike, I am in this room. It's a five-bedroom hotel room. <laughs> it's not five bedrooms, but it has like five rooms, okay? It's like the size of a house, okay? It is so nice. I know where Mike and Jeremy are staying. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to bring them down to where I'm staying because I don't want them to see. I got to be honest with you, okay? Like, I know. Are they staying once in they a get hostel? Here, I'll break. <laughs> are, are they staying in a hostel like 30 miles away? I'm having trouble understanding that that is a hotel room because you're speechless. You are speechless. You've got shelves with more decoration than people who've lived in the same house for like 20 years. Here's how nice it is. Okay. Between you and I, I had to kick someone off my front lawn. Why do you have a lawn? And why would you kick them off? It, It leads right out to a beach that leads right out to Lake Tahoe. I couldn't be I couldn't be more pissed at you right now. Why? Because some of us are having absolute like okay, yesterday I got to drive home from North Carolina. It's a 9-hour drive with two kids and my wife, okay? Three and a half right. hours we left at 4 Ooh. in the morning. Three and a half hours into it, I got rear-ended at a red light. Like a dead red light, I was stopped for like 30 seconds. And when I pulled over, the guy got out of his car, and all I could smell, I got punched in the face with the smell of weed. And his and he oh. dropped this on me. My bad. Like he rammed well, into my I mean, car and dropped a, my bad. At least bad. he acknowledged it was his fault. At least he acknowledged no. it was his fault. That's nice of him. He was stoned. Ooh. I mean. <laughs> so here's the best part. He has to FaceTime his mom because he can't find any of the stuff. I can't imagine why. It looked like um, the Scooby-Doo van with the smoke pouring out of the car. And um, So he has one of those cars where when you open the glove box, Mike, you open the glove box, there's no registration. There's no insurance. There's no forms of ID. All there is is weed and paraphernalia. (laughs) There's used lighters. (laughs) I'm familiar with that car. Anyway, go ahead. So he FaceTimes his mom and she go, he says, mom, I was in an accident. And she goes, are you okay? And he says, yes. And she said, what happened? And his face just fell and he let out this big sigh and he goes, I was being irresponsible and I was on my phone. And she just starts yelling at him for like 10 minutes at this at this accident scene. And he's she's like, put him on the phone, meaning me. So she hands me the phone and she's FaceTiming me, yelling about how stupid her son is and how she has yeah. insurance. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it seems I like just, a slam dunk case. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I just felt bad for the kid. I'm like, listen, I'm not paying anything. Like, your 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 insurance or your you know, somebody's paying for this. But like, I just felt bad for him. Well, his insurance <laughs> is paying for it. You should have built yeah. him out. Of, you should have gotten a second car, and you should have walked away with at least a quarter pound of his wheat. I mean, <laughs> quarter ounce at the very least. <laughs> at least, at least, sounds like there wasn't any left. <laughs> <laughs> there's always more left trust me <laughs> that kind of kid will scrape resin until the end of time okay <laughs> so anyway i'm sitting on a beach at lake tahoe right now 
Mike Ryan's in a hostel. <laughs> when I open up, no, it's Harvey's. When I open up these windows, Harvey's I like these. I have these pull-away windows, Mike. They open all oh, the know. way to the end of the wall, and it's, it's just air from the lake just coming into my room. <laughs> it's incredible. I want to live here. I'm going to move here. Uh, it's either here, Lake Tahoe. Uh, it's either Lake Tahoe or the Gorge or Lake George. That's where I'm moving at some point. I, I picture you opening those windows and it looking like the kid getting out of the car. The smoke just starts billowing out. <laughs> If you look right outside, right in front of my lawn, there's a walkway before the lawn. <laughs> there are three dog walkers out there. <laughs> I just chucked them out the window. And then I started kicking people, <laughs> walking their actual dog on my lawn. I kicked them off. Your lawn at a hotel. Listen, it's my lawn for the next five days, okay? Walk your dog on your own lawn. How's that sound? All right. Oh, you don't have one? Too bad. <laughs> if you're in that room, what is Aaron Rodgers staying in? They stay in big houses, huge, massive houses on the lake. They do. So <sighs> I'm excited, man. It's going to be a fun week out here. I'm looking forward to it. You're excited because we have an author coming on, Brian Hawk. You're wearing your Yankees hat right now. You're a huge Always. Yankee fan. The only reason Billy and I agreed to do this interview is because you wanted to talk to this guy about Aaron Judge's great season last year. So. He has a new book out. He's a credible, great Yankee reporter. He's a nice guy, too. Uh, but Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees to the pursuit of greatness. So that book is out wherever books are sold. You're excited for this, Mike. You are yeah. you're a big Yankee fan. And that season last year for you was, you know, you didn't win the World Series, but Judge did something remarkable. It was fun to watch. I mean, except on yeah. Saturdays when they cut in, uh, you know, to, to some of the better college football games for an Aaron Judge pop out. But, uh, yeah, no, it was really fun to watch. It was yeah. – uh, when was the last time you had a season like that as a Met fan? Something where you were like, I can't wait to tune in to see if this person can accomplish this goal. It's a really good question. I, I would say – because I've had Met teams that are good and they've been competitive, sure. but a guy chasing something um, – uh, I, it's not it's not apples to apples, okay? Because Aaron sure. Rodgers, I mean Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Judge, my head's in Tahoe, man. Uh, yeah, dog is. walkers, front lawn, kicking people off, okay? Uh, but Aaron Judge, Mantles. right? He, <laughs> Mickey Mantle. Uh, Aaron Judge, <laughs> you like that? Aaron Judge was pursuing a record, a Yankee record. Uh, and he was pursuing something that meant a lot to a lot of people. I would say the last time the Mets had something or someone where you had to tune in regardless of the record because you just wanted to see what he was going to do was Dr. K, Dwight Gooden. Like, that was the last time. Like, every fourth or fifth day, Mike, you were – and the Mets were competitive when Doc was there. But every fourth or fifth day, you tuned in to see Dwight Gooden, to see Dr. K. You did. So that's, that's, that's the best I can give you. I don't have anything else. It's the Mets. And then he pitched you know? a no-hitter with the Yankees. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Are you ready for Brian Hawk? Let's bring him on. All right, let's get to the uh, the author. Again, check out his new book, Aaron Judge, The New York Yankees, and the Pursuit of Greatness. It's available wherever books are sold. Uh, looking forward to this. Not so much for me, but for Mikey A. It's going to make him happy. <laughs> Stu Gatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? 
Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. I have been enjoying ice-cold Miller Lights for as long as I can remember. In fact, I enjoyed some over the weekend. As the Knicks beat the Sixers in advance of the second round, me and my friends, we sat around, we celebrated. With ice-cold Miller Lights, what did we do? We made fun of Joel Embiid. Oh, I love it. The Knicks. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. We are joined by Brian Hawk, who is a Yankee beat reporter and also an author. He has a book out. Well, it will be out in a couple of weeks. 62, Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees, and the Pursuit of Greatness. And, uh, well, I was having an interesting conversation with Billy before Brian joined us, and so I will start there. Uh, Billy, go ahead with your uncomfortable question. Well, we were just talking, and, and we were just saying, a little early for an Aaron Judge book in his career, right? No? Oh, come on. <laughs> Think so? I mean, so yours is about his historic season, which obviously is noteworthy. But if it was like just a career retrospective, eh, you know, what are we like five years in something like that? Well, his uh, career story hasn't been written yet. But uh, now we use the uh, the 62 home run season as a jumping off point to explore everything that's going on in the Yankee universe and also delve into baseball history. I mean, he just came off this uh, historic chase of Roger Maris's single season American League record. And so the book has a lot of flashbacks to 1961 and contrast between what was going on 61 years ago, uh, appropriately enough, when Maris was going through this chase versus uh, Judge doing it in the Instagram Twitter era and uh, definitely made a lot of cool parallels there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that this is not so much a biography or a career retrospective of Aaron Judge. I think that would be the wrong way to look at it. I think it would be a uh, to kind of go through his 62 home run season, but also it's a, uh, a picture of where baseball was in 2022, where it is in 2023, and uh, how important he is to this Yankee franchise. I mean, you're seeing it on the field now, when they don't have him, I think that's the best argument for how valuable he is for this Yankee team. And uh, anytime you lose the MVP, that's going to hurt your team. But he is so valuable on so many different fronts, and we explore a lot of that in the book. Brian, I'm in my 30s, so I don't know much about the Maris season. All I know I got from the Billy Crystal movie, 61, about how uh, Maris was treated. How different was it? Because I feel like everybody was behind Judge, whereas, you know, from everything you you read – you know, Maris, they, they hated him for it. That's a great point. And they, one thing that Billy Crystal talked about really sticks with me in that is that uh, the difference between the Maris chase of 1961 and Judge in 2022 is Judge had no co-conspirator. That's the way Billy put it there. You had Mickey Mantle pushing Maris. You had the fans uh, on Mantle's side. Um, they, they, they were loving, the fans loved Mantle. They loved Babe Ruth to a certain extent still at that point, and they didn't want to see Roger Maris break this record. And I think that when you saw last season uh, with Judge, there was nobody rooting against Aaron Judge. There was also nobody on the team pushing Judge. He was single-handedly kind of having to, to run that chase by himself. But I, I think that uh, last summer was the best thing that ever happened to Roger Maris in a lot of ways. Because finally, uh, everybody looked at that accomplishment in that 1961 season and said, 
uh, hey, that was pretty special what he did. And I feel like finally we can fully appreciate what he went through, the the stress and the hell at times that he went through uh, in trying to break that record with basically the whole world pulling against him. And I think that, uh, yeah, in, in writing this book, I think that doing judge doing it by himself was not all that interesting to me which is why uh in this book you'll find roger maris comes back as a character babe ruth to a certain extent does too so does mickey mantle and judge is chasing this record with these kind of ghosts in the rearview mirror right alongside him did the maris family enjoy the chase i think they did i think the uh the yeah. latter part of it for a lot of that reason, too, because, uh, look, they've been through this before with the, the Mark McGuire chase, the Sammy Sosa chase. And uh, as much as they tried to be part of it, then uh, what we've learned about it being artificial, I think, really affected how they were able to uh, enjoy the chase. Mark McGuire personally apologized to Mrs. Maris at some point, uh, in, you know, after the uh, the steroid stuff became clear. And I think that, uh, you know, if you look at uh, what Roger Maris said publicly about this, uh, look, Aaron's a Yankee. Uh, he's doing it the right way. He's doing it clean. And in, in the Maris family's eyes, 62 is now the record. Now, the Major League Baseball, 73 is the record with Barry Bonds. And uh, I think that uh, it's up to the, the eye of the beholder, I think. But uh, no doubt about it. I think that when you have these three great Yankee right fielders all played the same position, same franchise, different eras, Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, and now Aaron Judge all held that record. I think that's pretty special and significant. How do you view it, the home run record? Uh, to me, if you ask me, uh, my answer is the same as what uh, Aaron Judge would tell you, is that 73 is the record. Barry Bonds That's did the right it. right answer. That's it. why. Yeah. We all watched it. We <laughs> saw it. <laughs> we saw it, uh, you know, and I think that it's a product of that era of baseball. And I don't like uh, deleting things and canceling things and saying, oh, well, that didn't happen. It didn't count. I watched Mark McGuire hit 70, and I was excited as anybody. And, um, you know, I was a kid watching that. I remember how exciting that was, the Sosa chase. Uh, that was a, it was a time in baseball. And I think that now as we've learned more, I view it differently. I it would be my answer. I view what Bonds did, what McGuire did, what, what Sosa did. I do view it differently than what Judge did last year or what Roger Maris did in 1961. But I don't want to pretend it didn't happen because it did. Roger Maris Jr. wrote the forward uh, to your book. He really inserted himself into this story. Yeah. He seems like, <laughs> I, I, was he a pain in the ass? Let's just be honest, Brian. Come on. He was great for us. Uh, no, he's fantastic. And, I think that having the connection there with the Maris family, uh, you know, I, I think that he got a little tired of following the team around because they were waiting for Judge to to tie in and break this record. And uh, they were they were hanging around for eight, nine, ten days and they had to go on the road until he finally did it in Toronto. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it took a it took a little while. And, and when Maris hugged Judge that day in Toronto, he said the first thing he said to him, he said, what took you so long? Why did you make me wait so long? Uh, but I, I thought it was cool to have that connection. And that's one thing that the Yankees do uh, they, as well as anybody else in this sport is they, they draw those connections between their own history. Is Maris Jr. like a one-trick pony? Like, you follow him around, and he's just like, you know, Dad, once you hit 62 home runs, you're like, you know, Roger Jr., like you told us this a thousand times. Like, get a new story. I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if my dad had – uh, broken a Babe Ruth record, I'd be pretty proud of it too. So uh, yeah. I think 
Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And uh, no, I mean, that's their that's the family's claim to fame, no doubt. And Roger Maris, by the way, he was not a one trick pony. Let, let's talk about the Roger Maris senior. Um, yeah, you know, this is a guy who won American League MVP awards. It was not just he had one great year and and caught fire. I mean, this guy was a heck of a major league player. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's probably just a shade below that. But uh, it's still a career that deserves recognition. He came out great. And he finished up with the Cardinals, too, and won a World Series there as well. So uh, I, I think it was pretty cool, uh, you know, the, tracing the entire lineage there of Roger Maris and how it translates to the Yankees today. All right, so you have a Marlins fan on this Zoom, a Met fan on this Zoom, and a Yankee fan, and that's Mikey A. And Mikey A, for the first time in show history, is ashamed to be associated with I am with ashamed of you guys. <laughs> well, of you. A Billy. I mean, come on. I mean, he should be ashamed of Maris Jr. I, mean, I expect that from Billy. Go ahead, Mikey. Ask your Yankee questions. Well, my, my first question is, how close do you think Judge came to not breaking the record? You mentioned how long it took to hit the, that final home run in Toronto. I, was everybody getting a little nervous there, like he might choke pressing. this thing? Yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, you know – being in the press box for every single one of those, I have a lot of videos on my phone of Aaron Judge not hitting number 61 or not hitting number 62 because <laughs> we were all taping it and holding up our cameras just in case he did. And, uh, it went from city to city. And College it football like it took, fans hated it. Seemed it seemed like it took – yes, they did. And that's in the book, too, about how they were kept Is cutting it? in. And, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we're cool. coming around now. This is great. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, by, by the time you got to week two of cutting in for live coverage, people were like, all right, come on. Right, we're really going to watch Aaron Judge get an intentional walk here or uh, or, or strike out or whatever it was going to be. So I, I think it was a great relief off everybody when he did hit that fly ball in Toronto down the left field line. Uh, I can see it in my mind's eye. And then finally, uh, he hit 62 on the uh, the second to last day of the year in Texas. So, yeah, he was gassed. This, this pursuit took a lot out of him. I think you can look at his performance in the postseason, too, and say – that uh, he did not hit in the postseason. I think it was he spent himself to try and get this record. And uh, but I, I think it was still a meaningful record. It was a meaningful pursuit. And the fact that they were cutting in on college football, I think, tells you how significant it was. Kind of, it, it was a moment in time, no doubt. What does his contract look like if he doesn't break that record or hit that many home runs? What does it look Great like? Question. Is he playing for the Yankees? Great question. Yeah, no, because they offered him $213.5 million uh, prior to the opening day. He turned that down. He bet on himself. And I was there in the press conference that day. And I remember Brian Cashman said, you know, giving us the numbers. And I wrote it down in my notepad. And I said, 213.5. That's that's a pretty good offer. I, th I don't know if I would have turned that down uh, given his injury history. And now, you know, in hindsight here, we're looking at a season with without judge where we don't we still don't know when he's going to come back. And so uh, there was a huge huge gamble on judge's part to say, no, uh, I'm not going to take this offer. Uh, you're going to pay me like Mike Trout. I, I want to be a paid among the highest paid outfielders and I'm going to go out and prove it. And then he did it. And yeah, you, know, you look, he played in almost every single game. He uh, performed like an MVP. He won the MVP, you know, uh, judge got 28 out of the 30 uh, MVP votes last year. Shohei Otani got two. And uh, yeah, I think that he went out and showed why he was worth the money and, and also showed the Yankees can't live without him. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know that uh, Aaron Boone was very concerned about the idea, this kind of fantasy where Judge would be on the third baseline as a member of the San Francisco Giants on opening day at Yankee Stadium. And 
uh, that sent shivers down their spine. They were terrified about that idea. And uh, I think what last year did was show how much they really needed a judge. As to, and, and that's why he got named captain, too. Brian Hawk, a Yankees beat reporter and author. He has written a book, 62. Billy thinks it's too early for a judge book. I don't. I, I am that you've turned <laughs> me. Uh, Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees, and the pursuit of greatness. Uh, what can you tell us about Aaron Judge off the field, his personality? Because a lot of people don't know him. So what what is something that most people don't know about Aaron Judge? Uh, well, well, let me think here. What, what do people not know? He's got two little miniature, uh, dachshunds that run around and he takes them in the outfield once in a while. But, uh, you know, it's a kid from a small town, uh, you know, two stoplight town in, uh, Northern California. He grew up rooting for the San Francisco Giants. Rich Aurelia was his favorite player back in the day. And, uh, which is, you know, strange choice for a guy who grew up rooting for the Barry Bonds Giants of that era. But, um, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think he's a guy who, uh it we look at him 67 282 you say that's a football player in baseball clothes and uh, you know he was recruited by a lot of colleges to play football could have gone that way but one thing he always talks about in baseball is he loves that chess match between the hitter and the pitcher and that's something you don't really get in football you know a lot of football is brute strength and you know obviously this is a guy who can run through a right field wall at Dodger Stadium just saying um you know he's obviously got the the build and the the physicality to he could have played in the NFL I think and uh he chose major league baseball and it was not an easy path for him you know uh, one of the scouts I talked to said uh watching him in the early years was like watching a newborn giraffe he was kind of just stumbling around all over himself had to really kind of grow into himself and came up as a rookie hit 179 struck out a ton and I, I think he really showed some perseverance there because I think it would have been easy for them to just settle and for him to settle and just say I'm going to be an okay major league player and uh, I talked to Reggie Jackson for this book and he remembered uh, Judge in spring training in 2017 and Reggie was one of the guys in that camp who pounded the table for Judge to get another chance to to be on the team and he told Brian Cashman he told a few people there look, if you can deal with the fact he's going to strike out 200 times, this guy's going to hit you 30 home runs. And Are you okay with that? Can you deal with that? Because he can play in the big leagues. And uh, Reggie shot low because Judge went out and hit 52 and won Rookie of the Year that year. So I, I think that um, it, this is not a guy who showed up on day one and was great. I think he really had to work toward being great. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think one thing I, I would say about Judge is that he really does love the game. He loves the X's and O's of it. He loves thinking along with a pitcher trying to outsmart them and I don't think you get that out of every single major leaguer when you think of Yankee captains you think Derek Jeter you think the guy that wasn't going to let you not yeah you know, he was going to outwork you he's got that Kobe mentality Thurman Munson I don't really get the same sense with Judge why did Judge get the captain was it just kind of a hey let's throw this in your contract to make sure you stay here or was is there an actual reason he got it? that's interesting that's a good point and you know I'll answer that by starting Last year during the postseason, two guys on this team, Nestor Cortez and Anthony Rizzo, both stood up unprompted. We didn't ask the question. They said, if Judge comes back, he needs to be our captain because he is our leader. As he goes, we go. We all look to him. We all follow him. And I think that, you know, having been around this team now for, you know, I was there in the Jeter era. My first year on the Yankee beat was 07. So I got to see how Jeter ran a clubhouse. It's definitely different with Judge. Um, you know, you can make some parallels between Jeter and Judge, but their leadership style is definitely different. And I think that whereas Jeter led by example, I feel like Judge is the kind of guy where, uh, 
players look to him to kind of drive the car, so to speak. I, I think he's the one driving this uh, this boat, if you want to use that analogy. And I think he's uh, they they look to him in a lot of ways. And so, um, yeah, I think that it's it's definitely a different leadership style. Obviously, I wasn't around for Thurman Munson or Don Mattingly, but uh, you get a lot of quiet leadership. And and Judge has his parts of that too, where. Uh, he's never going to be the guy who airs somebody out in the dugout. You're never going to see that, but you will hear about it later through the grapevine that he took care of something behind the scenes. And so um, he's, he's definitely, he fits into that mold in terms of if there's a problem uh, on this Yankee team, then you're going to have to answer to Aaron judge. And I think that um, even more so than Aaron Boone or Brian Cashman, if I'm a player on the Yankees, Judge is the guy I don't want in my face telling me I better shape up or ship out. Uh, Mount Rushmore of New York Yankees, according to Brian Hawk. Woo! Whoa! Yeah. Uh, well, Good you know. Luck. I, I, <laughs> wow. As much as I want everybody to buy this Aaron Judge book, and I hope it does really well. Don't do I, I'm it. Sorry, I, I cannot put Aaron Judge on the Mount Rushmore wow. of New York Yankees. At least not yet. Hey, you know, well, I think that was right? Billy's original point. When we're point. talking about yeah. when Bubba it's all Crosby? said and done, maybe someday. But uh, we'll do Bucky Babe Dent. Ruth. Bucky Dent? <laughs> I mean, come on. He hit a big homer at Fenway. I'm going to go. I, I'm sorry. It's going to be boring, guys. But I'm going to go Babe Ruth. I'm going to go Lou Gehrig. I'm going to go Joe DiMaggio. And I'm going to go Mickey Mantle. Wow. I mean, Mike, who do you leave off there? Jeter. Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. I love those guys. Hey, they're great. But, you know, Mount Rushmore's only got Louisiana. Donnie Baseball. I mean, there's not enough room. There's not enough room, guys. And as great as Jeter (laughs) was, as great as Mariano was, and and notice, I don't even have a Curtis. I don't, well, uh, (laughs) I don't think so. I don't have a single pitcher on that uh, that list. uh, Would love to get room for Mariano there. But I, yeah. I got to go with my guys there. Three, I mean, Jeter four, was a five, tad overrated. You agree, right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, oh, come on. A little bit? No, Brian. I, Brian. Am I supposed was to on, answer that Brian, question? Brian, if Derek Jeter was on the Royals, would we think of Derek Jeter this way? No. Well, wow. Derek Jeter, well, if Derek Jeter played his entire career in Kansas City, he probably still gets 3,000 hits. We probably think about him the, the way we talk about George Brett then, I, I would right. say. Um, right. You know, he, maybe he doesn't win five World Series titles, but I, I still think no <laughs> matter what team hits. you put him on. <laughs> No matter what team you put them 3, on, three thousand meaningless hits. Uh, no matter what team you put them on, he was going to perform and he was going to be an all star and he was going to put up the numbers. So, so was so was Aaron Judge comfortable with all of this being the home run king for the New York Yankees, being the captain of the Yankees, just the whole legacy, everything that comes with being a Yankee great. I'll have a monument out there and you know in the outfield at some point. Is he comfortable with all of this? I think he embraces it. I, I think that it took him some uh, some kind of adjusting time, especially in 2017. You know, he I remember talking to him. He was so fresh-faced. He would walk around Times Square. He would go get frozen yogurt, and he'd wonder why everybody was gawking at him and, and pointing at him. And he would say, I can't even walk around without getting bothered. And, um, and Sorry, that's part of the deal when you're six foot seven and you're very recognizable and uh, you're the right fielder of the New York Yankees. So I, I think he's adjusted to this. Uh, I think he's come around on on the idea that look he's a superstar athlete he's one of the, the faces of major league baseball this is what you wanted and that's part of the deal that uh, look all eyes are going to be on you no matter what you do and uh you know i think about what jeter said and he said look if camera phones were around when i was playing my career would have lasted four years and he's probably right i don't think Derek's lying about that i don't think he's kidding uh, i think that the the microscope the, the spotlight is so much brighter on these guys now um they, they go out they they get a couple drinks they're in the wrong 
place at the wrong time. It's on Twitter in, in 10 minutes. And so I, I think that to really, you really have to pitch a perfect game to be a celebrity, to be a star, and especially of the magnitude that Judge is in this city. Um, you know, it's it's no easy task. And he has shown that uh, I think he's built from it. And I think that comes from his parents in a lot of ways. You know, his, his parents, Patty and Wayne, are both educators or both uh, teachers. And uh, I think they really raised him the right way. And, you know, the, everybody I talked to, that's what it keep coming back to. It was like, this kid is from a good family. He's from a good home. And that's why he's built for this. All right. All said and done. Put you on the spot. Is his nine-year contract at 31 years old going to be worth it? Hmm. Well, it's worth it in the fact that uh, you couldn't let him go after that year. Uh, I think that after he hit 62 home runs, uh, you know, he, he single-handedly led you to the postseason. I don't think the Yankees were ready to consider the idea of a team without Aaron Judge this year. I think that, uh, you know, there, there were certainly people who were saying years seven, eight, nine of this contract are not going to look great. And I think that at that point, it doesn't really matter, right, guys? I mean, the, yeah. the idea is you're paying him for his prime years, and you'll deal with the, the rest later. And so it's it's really unfortunate that he got hurt this year and that took it out of it because it looked like he was on an MVP track again this year. Um, but when healthy, I think you're buying 2023, 24, 25, 26, 27. Uh, you, you kind of bank. Those years are going to be great. They're going to be $40 million contract years. And the rest of it, eh, that's just kind of a loss. And we've seen this before. We saw it with uh, A-Rod comes to mind where you knew the end of that contract was not going to look great. But what was the alternative? Letting him walk and then not having him? And who was going to replace him? So I think it's a calculated risk. And the Yankees understand that, hey, even if the back end of the contract doesn't look great, you're paying for right now. 62, Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees in the pursuit of greatness is out right now, wherever books are sold. Brian Hawk, the author with us. Billy, it's never too early to write a book on a Yankee. Like, Brian Hawk has quartered. You know, I, I told you Dan Sean as he cornered the market on Celtics books. He could release one a year, and it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Brian Hawk has cornered the market on Yankee books. He can write one a year about whatever he wants, and it's going to be on the New York Times bestseller list, right? Like, you carve that out for yourself, Brian. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, if we can do a Marlins book too, I'm I'm in. If you oh. got a suggestion, if there's somebody you want to do, uh, is it too early to write a uh, Louisa Rise book? Should we do oh. that one? Uh, possibly. <laughs> I have a question for you. How? Wait, uh, are you going to co-write a book with Billy about the Marlins? Can we do that? Thinking about it. It's time yeah. consuming. Uh, uh, I, 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 let's never say never. I like Brian. Yeah. How? Uh, how did Aaron Boone fall out of favor with Yankees fans so quickly from the game-winning home run sending them to the World <laughs> Series to now not exactly in their good graces? Because they're assholes. Well, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. They I didn't the say that. Don't go sign that, Brian. He hit one You're of the right. biggest homers in Yankee history, and they're booing him. It's crazy. One of the uh, greatest reasons why I'm glad Don Mattingly never became the manager of the Yankees. I'd like to remember him point. as the Yankee and let him be a failed manager elsewhere. That is a great point, Mike, because, uh, you know, Mattingly wanted that job desperately after Joe Torre uh, left in 2007. And uh, I think that in Yankee history, you might look at Mattingly differently if he'd gone. And uh, imagine the year was what, uh, obviously, Girardi won a World Series in 2009. But, you know, even missing the playoffs in 2008, if that was Mattingly, I, I think it, people would have definitely colored their opinion of Donnie Baseball. And now we can kind of look back and just 
remember Donnie baseball is having the eye black and the Franklin batting gloves and, you know, stroking 200 hits a year and uh, being awesome at first base. Uh, to answer your question with Boone, uh, I, I think it's a tough spot for, for anybody to go in, but especially somebody who had no managerial experience um, coming into the job. And I think that's something to remember. He went straight from the ESPN broadcast booth to the managing job and was kind of learning on the fly. And I think for a lot of old school fans who grew up on, say, Billy Martin or Joe Torre, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, you're just going to plug a manager in here. And and I think to his credit, Boone has done a really nice job in a lot of ways. You know, he's had a few couple of hundred win teams. Uh, he's taken the playoffs a bunch. But I think there's always kind of that nagging thing in the back of their mind saying, oh, wait, this guy just went from the broadcast booth to, to the manager's job. And it shouldn't be that easy. And so and obviously. Anytime a manager goes to the bullpen, makes the wrong move, you know, there's uh, people are going to complain about the lineup. I think it just builds and builds and builds. And let's not forget that he took over a team that in 2017 was one win away from going to the World Series. They were in Houston in the ALCS and they were one win away and say whatever you want about the 2017 Astros. But uh, the Yankees were right there. They were on the doorstep and it seems like. 2018, 2019, 2020, they've, they've never gotten that close again. And, you know, I think a, a lot of that is on the manager that you have to say, all right, you were supposed to put us over the hump and you haven't done that yet. And so what's up with that? Do you think Donnie knows better than to take the job if it becomes available? Because he's kind of just floating around right now in Toronto as a bench coach. Like it seems like a placeholder position for him. But do mm -hmm. you think that he thinks that way? Like, hey, let me not go in there for what is a dream job for him and potentially ruin his place in Yankee history? Um, you know, I, I haven't asked Donnie that question. Um, I would be guessing, but I'm going to think that if tomorrow, if the Yankee manager job was open and they called Don Mattingly and said, we'd like you to come in and interview for he's it, I think it. he's yeah. going to New York. I, yeah. I think he's going to come in and talk, yeah. Who's the former Yankee that could manage the Yankees and they have a lousy season, but the fans don't boom? Is it Jeter? Like, would Jeter get away with Ooh. it? Ooh, well... Yeah, I mean, the first thought that came to my mind is Mariano Rivera. I feel like Mariano is just gold with Yankee fans. And uh, although I, I watched Mo get booed at times, too, you know, Mo blew the save and he got booed. So I think everybody gets booed in New York. I don't think anybody is immune from it. Um, I, I think obviously Jeter and Mo would get a longer leash than probably anybody. But I also know neither one of them has any interest in managing the team. It's too much of a time commitment. Um, and you talk about this with a lot of guys and they, you say, Hey, would you ever want to get into coaching and managing? And they say, hell no, I want to show up for, you know, a week of spring training, maybe, and then mess around with the guys and then uh, go back to playing on the golf course or whatever they're doing. Because I think it's a grind. When you talk about a baseball season, it starts in February. It ends in October or late or early November. That's a big time commitment where you're at the ballpark 12 to 14 hours a day. Uh, Jeter wouldn't do it. You're right. But he would do it if they announced that A-Rod was a candidate. Then, I mean, all of a sudden, Derek <laughs> Jeter, he'd be the next manager. Uh, I, mean. <laughs> uh, I think Derek wants to do one thing, and that was own a team, and he did it. Um, he, he checked that box, and it wasn't exactly what he uh, envisioned. So I think uh, – but, you know, the whole time that I covered Derek as a player, it was kind of what are you going to do next? Are you going to – you thinking about managing or coaching? Are you going to be around the game? And he said, no, I want to be an owner like George Steinbrenner. And he got to do it in Miami, and it didn't go the way he thought it was going to be. And now I think he's uh, moved on to other things in his life. 
All right, Brian, good luck with the book. Thank you for putting up with our nonsense, not Mikey A's, just me and Billy. Uh, Brian Hawk, Yankee Beat reporter, veteran Yankee Beat reporter and author, uh, has a new book out, 62, Aaron Judge, The New York Yankees, and The Pursuit of ha- uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Greatness. That's a movie. Yes, you're <laughs> That's right. That's a movie with Will Smith. It's been Different a long thing. day. I'm sorry. Available wherever books are sold. Go check it out. It's going to do great. Uh, Brian, thank you for the time. We appreciate it, man. You got it, guys. Anytime. Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot has changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste you want and less of the stuff you don't. What I love to do, what me and my friends do, when we're sitting around, we like to enjoy it with ice-cold Miller Lights. Miller Lite keeps it simple undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.